At its best, it must have been a very fitful sleep for all of the disciples. They were caught up in that downward spiral of life. You may have been there at a similar place in your life before, but it was devastating, no doubt, to them. The disciples had given up hope. The story for them was over. The greatest expression of love that the world had ever known was snuffed out. His life put in a tomb. Sin is no myth. It casts a very dark shadow. It whittles away at the essence of human character. It brings destruction, even death. Sin injures our ability to share love or even to receive love. It damages the soul. Sin distances us from God. In fact, Jesus' death was the very result of sin, a corrupt world, the wheels of injustice at work, the religious leaders who schemed in order to make sure that he would be put to death in their minds justly for the way in which he was living his life. For Judas, who betrayed him to those who wished to put him to death. To Peter, who denied ever having known him even after spending three years with him in ministry. To the guards who were just doing their duty, just doing what they were asked to do. To Herod and Pilate who played games with Jesus, sending him from one to the other almost as a chess game. The crowd who in the beginning so wonderfully welcomed Jesus with hosannas and yet were at least in part participating at the end of the week in calling for Jesus' crucifixion themselves. Even to the unrepentant thief who there beside Jesus on a cross himself seems bent on offending this one who was so pure those who gazed at a distance upon Jesus' tenderness heard his prayers, and it was a glimpse for them of the very heart of God. Such purity, such love they had never seen 
as he spoke the words from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Some of you will remember that this 40-day season that we have been upon this journey was begun at this very altar with the sign of the cross being placed on our foreheads with ashes, smudges there to remind us of the wilderness that all of us go through. <laughs> this journey that has led us to this new encounter today. Can you imagine that first morning as Mary came early to the tomb, as she must have been so downtrodden at the idea. As John tells the story, she was the only one there. She was the one that mattered as far as he was telling the story and as far as he was concerned. And when she came to the tomb, she found that the stone was not in its place. And so she realized what had occurred. It is a disgrace to run in public when you're not dressed to run in public. And yet she started running. <laughs> Y'all didn't expect me to be back here, did you? And when she got to Peter and John, she said, they've taken the Lord from the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. And when Peter and John heard that, there was more running. <sighs> Here I go. And it was an Easter that they had never experienced. In fact, even at that point, as Peter and John looked into the tomb and saw that he was not there, it was confirmed for them that exactly what Mary had said was true, that the circumstances that were before bad were even worse because they were clinging to the idea that at least they knew where his body was and now they had no idea who had taken him or what they had done with him. They believed Mary and Mary was left there at the tomb by herself weeping at the situation when Jesus, unbeknownst to her, began to engage her in conversation. And as he did, she suspected him perhaps to be among those that had carried Jesus away until he spoke her name, that personal connection. Mary, he said, the resurrected Lord comes to break through to us.
you and I look for proof and there is no proof. Not really. If somebody were to ask you, just prove to me that the resurrection is true. God bless you. Because there is no proof. There is no proof that you can offer that will convince anyone who does not believe that this happened. Except for one thing, which is irrefutable. And that is, what has this reality in which you believe done to change your life? For if you are a person of the resurrection, those who know you will know it. For those who believe, they are living proof. In the letter of 1 Peter, these precious words are written. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I remember when I was in college that it was often that we would go into the museum that was there just to gaze upon one of the artifacts that had been somehow arranged to be at school there. It was a mummy, and we were mesmerized by it. In fact, we were so entertained by this mummy who had been preserved well through the years that we nicknamed him Charlie. <laughs> and we would go in and look at Charlie. Charlie was 3,400 years old. 3,400 years old. And Charlie still had his fingernails. And Charlie still had his teeth. And Charlie still had his hair. Those Egyptians knew how to preserve folk. <laughs> now, granted, Charlie was a little gaunt. He was kind of thin in the face. <laughs> but he was there. They had done a great job of preserving Charlie. But I can tell you one thing that Charlie wasn't. Charlie wasn't alive. <laughs> Charlie did not have an ounce of life within him. When Jesus Christ came from the grave, he came so filled with life that even those who were closest to him could not recognize him at first. The light so emanated from him, the glory of heaven so broke through his being that it was otherworldly. And he spent his days trying to convince his disciples that truly it was he before them. There is a church, I understand, in Tresa, Germany, that is called the Church of the Dead. 
that's not a very good name for a church, except for the fact that this church has but one duty, and that is to have funerals. I'm glad I'm not the pastor of that church. It is a sad thing to think that all we would do would be to have funerals. We are here to be a people of God, living with Christ, giving to him and to all that we meet, that living proof in ourselves that the world so needs Jesus Christ at work within our hearts. Easter is that day of restored hope. There was a cook in a church that I used to go to for Holy Week services, and she would be in the kitchen preparing those meals that we would have at noontime. She came out one day, and in conversation with her, I must have said something to the effect of Happy Easter. And she looked at me and she said, the sun don't just get up on Easter, it get up and shout. It get up and shout. I've never forgotten those prophetic words. Do you sense that today? Do you sense that here in the midst of us, is the very presence of the living Lord. Dora MacDonald, who was such a genteel lady, I used to visit her in her home, this little frame house where she lived. She welcomed me in, and we sat down at her Formica top table that had these upper rooms scattered on the top, these devotional guides. And she would say to me, I feel so unworthy. I thought, what is she talking about? I feel so unworthy, she would say. She wasn't talking about my presence there. I looked up at the wall in her kitchen and there was this, this image, this tapestry, this painted, it was, it was a black velveteen fabric. It was akin to, I guess, those Elvis pictures that you get in the North Georgia mountains on velvet, you know, painted there. But it, it may have been the same artist, but it was a picture of Jesus there in her kitchen. And she would look up at this painting of Jesus and she would say, I feel so unworthy, so unworthy. Can't you imagine how the disciples felt when they came to the tomb? Can't you sense this in yourself, that Jesus has given you this great gift of new life, and it is not because of anything you have done or anything that I have done. It is not simply because of anything that we could do, but because of simply who Jesus is. Jesus comes not only to be alive, he comes to raise us as well in this moment. Clarence Jordan was the originator of a wonderful Christian movement in just outside of America's Georgia called Koinonia Farms. And Koinonia Farm was this Christian commune 
that was a statement against the ugliness and the cruelty of the world, which in the 1950s and 60s, some of you will remember, was so divided racially. And so Clarence Jordan had begun a business there, a small business, albeit, but a business in which he invited persons of different races to take residence on the land and to begin to work the soil and then to sell the proceeds and to generate an income for the farm in order that they might live in Christian community together in that place. Some would look upon it and say, well, that was a failed experiment because it really, in many ways, is not present at all and working as he had envisioned that it might be. But his calling was so powerful and is still present with those who knew what he was trying to do. Clarence Jordan rewrote a part of the New Testament in a paraphrase. If you've never read the Cotton Patch version of the Bible, you need to download that one. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ set within the state of Georgia. And it will arrest your thinking about Jesus being in the Holy Land someplace far off. In one of his reflections on the subject of resurrection, Clarence Jordan wrote these words, By raising Jesus from the dead, God is refusing to take humanity's no for an answer. God raised Jesus not as an invitation to us to come to heaven when we die, but as a declaration that God has now established permanent, eternal residence on earth. The resurrection is simply God's way of saying to humanity, you might reject me, if you will, but I'm going to have the last word because God is not rejecting us. God has come in the form of Jesus in order to embrace us and to teach us what love is all about. Clarence Jordan goes on to say, the proof that God raised Jesus from the dead is not the empty tomb, but the full hearts of his transformed disciples. And so I ask you an important question today. Are you the living proof that Jesus was expecting to happen when he made his appearances? Do you sense God living among us today? Mary Magdalene, let me ask that you would stand out of respect for this last verse of Scripture. Would you stand with me? Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Be the living proof of Jesus alive in the world.